Three, two, one. Oh my goodness, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whatever time it is that you're listening to this, I hope you're having a fantastic day. And if you're not, well, maybe this show can help you out a little bit. This is The Film Room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. What we do here is we analyze all of your favorite and breakout NFL stars and see how exactly they are able to to be such stars. What techniques do they use? What what type of what type of players are they? How exactly do they get open? How does how exactly does that wide receiver get so wide open on a third and twelve post route or something? That is what we try to figure out today. My goal with this show is to make us all more appreciative, aware, and smarter football fans. Uh, that that's what I usually do here. So for those with unfamiliar with the show, we're already five. We're already five episodes in, and I'm really proud of that. I'm really excited to do this show for you guys. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of classes here at school that I really have a passion for, but this one I really enjoy. And um, let me just break down how how the show's going to go today. Uh, typically, we start off each show with a film breakdown of a player. Uh, I've done players like DJ Chark, uh, right tackle by Al Collins for the Cowboys. Uh, I've done uh, I've done draft prospects from college uh, in edge rusher uh, Chase Young, who is actually in contention for for Heisman, for the Heisman this year in college football. We will we'll end the show talking about college football because I want to talk about uh, the SMU Memphis game really really bad, and I want to talk about LSU Bama this week, uh, and after that. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what we'll see what it, we'll see what I talk about. Uh, but today, today I have a treat for you guys. We are going to be breaking down tight end Darren Waller for the Oakland Raiders. So Waller is a converted wide receiver from Georgia Tech. He was drafted in the sixth round back in 2015 by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he he flamed out with the Ravens. He was just never able to keep his head on straight, had some substance abuse uh, issues, eventually came to the Raiders. Uh, I don't think he came this year. I think he came last year. But point is, he wasn't ever really able to play last year. He was hurt, and I believe he was suspended as well. But today, but now, he seems to have his head on straight. Seems like he's a, like he's in a good state of mind. And now he's playing like a top 10 tight end in the NFL. He just got re-signed by Oakland long-term. I believe it was a a four-year deal. And I'm really excited for Darren Waller because he's really, really good. He is astoundingly good. He's playing better than Kyle Rudolph, that's for sure. He's one overrated player. We might, might, I might go over go over Kyle Rudolph one of these days because every time the Vikings are mentioned and their weapons are mentioned, people want to bring up Kyle Rudolph and he sucks. (laughs) But we're talking about, we're talking about Darren Waller. So let's get on to it here. Here's how I, I grade tight ends. Here's how I evaluate them to see if I think they're really good or not. First of all, what, what are they like in run blocking? Uh, blocking in general, but I value the run blocking for tight ends more than pass blocking, 
which is something I don't normally do. I usually value passing the ball a whole lot more than running. But the reason I say run blocking for tight ends is so incredibly important is because when you are passing the ball, you're typically using the tight end as a receiver. So they're not typically blocking unless you have like a max protect where you keep seven guys in uh, to protect your quarterback. Unless you're doing that, for the most part, the tight ends are out there moving around as your check down option. But, uh, but, but run blocking, I believe, is so incredibly important because when you run the ball, tight ends are absolutely necessary. And if you don't have a good blocking tight end, uh, then your run play can get blown up. It can get absolutely blown up. So are they are they really physical when blocking? Does he lose his one win on ones often? Like does does he does he get too high a leverage and let the defender get under him? We talked about this last week with Chase Young. Usually the lower man wins in the trenches, and what that means is that the lower man has the most leverage. So if the tight end lets the defender get a whole bunch of leverage on him, does he do that? Uh, can he can he seal defensive backs and linebackers? From the edge on outside runs and what that means is that when a run is coming to the outside for example on a pitch or an outside zone can the tight end take the linebacker or the defensive back out of the play and I'll show you later that Darren Waller can he definitely can um, another one is just catching and contested catch abilities pretty much everything we're gonna go on from here on out is just some wide receiver stuff that we've talked about before when we talked about DJ Chark a couple of weeks ago. DJ Chark, obviously wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had a down week this week, by the way, but um, I, I think he'll, he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. Anyways, back to Darren Waller and back to his catching abilities. Uh, can he, can he, does he drop balls or not? Uh, can he, can he come down with contested catches or not? And uh, another one, another point that I really liked is body control when catching. So can he use his body as kind of like a push-off point and just box out the smaller defenders that are usually assigned to him? Uh, Darren Waller in particular, he's 6'6", like 245. I mean, he's a really big dude. And... um. What's it called? Uh, he, he's a really big guy, and he he can use his body frame really well to box out the linebackers. And what that means is that he just kind of turns around and just kind of gets taller. Well, he uses his length more effectively is what I'm trying to say. And what final one is route running. This one's pretty obvious. How smooth is he in, in and out of his breaks during a route? And um, how what what kind of routes can he run? Stuff like that. Now, normally, uh, I give you guys around five to eight plays to show you what I'm talking about. And I, al- and I always give down and distance and time left in the game. And... Uh, while I'm still going to do that today, I do need to preface this by saying uh, how Darren Waller is typically used in the Raiders' offense. Uh, usually, 
Darren Waller is used as a checkdown option. And what that means is that he usually just runs to the flats and is a checkdown option for Derek Carr, quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. And that's how a lot of tight ends are used because they can't get vertical separation. They can't run downfield and beat a linebacker or a safety. That's, they just, a lot of tight ends just simply cannot do that. Darren Waller can. And while he is tip, typically used as a checkdown option and just kind of out athletes people to the sticks when the ball is thrown to him, the Raiders are not afraid to split him out into a wide receiver position. And that, I think, shows a lot of confidence in him and just shows how athletic he really is because he, they'll, they'll split him out into the slot, match him up against a, a small corner, a small defensive back, because the, the defensive backs that are typically assigned to the slot, they're like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, 5'11". Darren Waller is 6'6". Six, six. All right, so he's gonna win. He's gonna win the the physical battle there, and he's really fast. He sometimes they also split him out all the way out to wide receiver, all the way on the edge of the field, to run like a quick slant or something. And he, that I think that just shows uh, John Gruden's ability to move, get his playmakers involved. Uh, John Gruden, of course, is head coach of the Oakland Raiders, and. Um, I I think that shows a lot of confidence in what Darren Waller can do. So for every play that he's more or less a blocker or a checkdown option, there's also there's an equal amount of plays where he is a primary read, as in the first guy, Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, want to throw to. And uh, that that's very special. There aren't a lot of tight ends like that in this league. Normally, uh, tight ends are usually either one or the other. For example, you have a player like Zach Ertz for a tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's never he's never really been much of a blocker. He's just eh, but he's a really great pass catcher. And and then you have a tight end like Nick Boyle, a tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. And he's known as probably one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. But he's not really known for his pass, catch, pass catching. Darren Waller, again, can do both. So, uh, I, I, that, that's just kind of his role in the offense. He's just, He is a mismatch threat against slot, slot cornerbacks and linebackers, and sometimes safeties. And when he's not, he's a nightmare to deal with in the trenches when he's run blocking. And he's one of the main reasons why rookie Josh Jacobs, running back for the Oakland Raiders, is having such a great season so far. Because not only is the is the whole, entire Raiders offensive line blocking well for him, Darren Waller can get those backside blocks and help out the offensive line that'll that create such great holes for him to run through. Um, all right. So let's get into the actual plays now. Um, again, uh, I I typically prefer to just break down through plays, but I felt the need to to clarify how exactly uh, Darren Waller is used because 
when you see him on Sundays, you may think, oh, this guy's just okay. He he just shows up on the sides of the field. No, he can really play. Uh, so let's go into the Minnesota game. Uh, way, way back in week three. This is second and 14 on the Minnesota 42. 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Darren Waller had a really a really nice double move on a linebacker to get wide open in a tight in a tight cover two zone. And I really I really like this play because it's it's sort of a it's called a stick and nod. And what it is, um it's a route where you run you run straight forward, then cut to one side as if you're going to run an out route or an in route in into uh, the outside of the field. I know that's kind of weird to say. You're trying to get to the numbers, okay? You're trying to get to the numbers of the field. You're not trying to get in the middle of the field. And then after you cut to the outside, you cut the route back inside to go into the middle of the field. Darren Waller runs this route really well. He burnt the linebacker and just showed that he's a mismatch problem and comes down with a good catch. I like that play. I like that play a lot. Uh, the rest of these are going to be from the Green Bay game for the most part. Uh, and we have a few from the Texans game as well. Uh, so let us let me pull them up here. Let's go with the first offensive snap for, for Oakland at Green Bay uh, a handful of weeks ago. This was week seven. And this is a really good block. So if you go back and watch the highlights on on the NFL YouTube channel for week three of Raider, Raiders at Green Bay, this will be the first play that's shown. And just keep an eye on 83, Darren Waller, because after the ball is snapped, he runs across the field, smacks the defensive lineman in the face, and that lets Josh Jacobs run through a wide-open hole that was only there because of Darren Waller. And he goes off like a solid 30, 30 or so yard gain. I mean, that that was a great block. That play does not happen without Darren Waller there. That is a really important block. Uh, let's go to second and two on the Oakland 33. Three minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, let me pull it up here. This is a, a really nice sideline catch from Darren Waller. He gets open on he gets open on on the corner route, and what that is is that the the receiver will run about eight to ten yards downfield and then cut and go straight to the sideline, and he makes a really nice contested catch. The defensive back had his hand on his arms in his hands trying to get the ball out. He comes down with the ball, keeps his feet in bounds, and is able to to go for a really nice big catch. I was very impressed with this play because it showed body control and it showed a, a reliable set of hands. Let's go to the very next snap uh, of, of the drive. 
And Darren Waller runs a really great seam route. And what that means is that a wide receiver is trying to run straight forward and get in between the safeties. Or depending on the coverage, the safety and the outside corner, depending on which side they lined up on. And if you go back and watch this play, it's very clear the Packers are in quarters coverage, or also known as a cover four. And what that means is that the corners on the on the outside, the 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 so the corners right next to the sideline, they're trying to get as deep into the field as possible. And the safeties in the middle are also trying to get as deep as possible. And each defensive back is responsible for a quarter of the field. That's why it's called a cover four. And normally, people take advantage. Uh, coaches will take advantage of teams that run a lot of cover four by calling a lot of curls and slant routes that can attack underneath the the they can attack underneath the zones. Now, if you watch Darren Waller on now, if you watch the strong safety on this play, actually he doesn't play the coverage right. So instead of trying to get as deep as possible, like he should, he. He kind of just hangs around at the about 10 yard, eight, eight yards off the line of scrimmage. He kind of just hangs around in that area when he's supposed to be getting as deep as he possibly can. And what this allows Darren Waller to do is just sneak right behind him, get in between the free safety and, and like the strong safety. I'm trying, I'm trying to. Put the picture in your guys' head because I know most of y'all listen on the radio. So imagine, draw draw a circle. Just like close your eyes or something. If you're on the road, don't close your eyes. <laughs> but but it, just imagine, draw a circle. And it's a relatively nice circle. And now draw a circle to about, I don't know, a solid inch and a half to the bottom right of that first circle. All right, now draw a line that curves in between those two. And you get what Darren Waller ran on this play. And it shows great awareness to actually recognize that the strong safety was not getting deep enough and just goes over the top of him and Derek Carr hits him in stride. And I think it's criminal that it wasn't a touchdown. It also made me cry on my fantasy team because I have him on fantasy. <laughs> but Darren Waller showed off his speed on this play. Still showed that he's really, really fast. Not just for a tight end. There, Look, there, there are people who say, oh, this dude's really fast for his position. Or, oh, for a tight end, he's really fast. No, Darren Waller is just straight up fast. Okay? He's really, really freaking fast. And not a lot of tight ends could take advantage of that little wrinkle in the defense. And Darren Waller was able to was able to take advantage of that. And that's a really good play from Waller. Uh, I have no idea if the Packers were trying to roll into some sort of cover three hybrid off a cover four look or something, which is where uh, one safety plays high high and middle sort of middle field while the other safety 
kind of comes down into the box and sort of roams that intermediate area. So I don't know if they were trying to roll into that. It did not appear like that to me because both corners were trying to bail as deep as possible. And the the free safety was not trying to get into the middle of the field. He kind of stayed on, on Darren Waller for most of the route. And what that tells me is that that strong safety uh, just kind of gaffed on that play. And yeah, that's all I have to say on that play. Uh, let's get to let's get to the final play against against Green Bay that I got here. Uh, this is let let me see what what is, what's the down and distance? I I have it I have it all written down here. This is another block, I believe. All right, so it's first and ten on the Oakland thirty-two. Uh, Fifty-three seconds left in the third. And keep an eye on, on Waller throughout this play. And he locks out number 25 on this huge Josh Jacobs run. And essentially, he gets as far downfield, notices that his teammate is running behind him, and then just completely erases number 25 from the play. And what that allows Josh Jacobs to do is go for like another 8 to 10 yards. Without Darren Waller, that pl- that play does not work to complete perfection. Darren Waller blocked his guy really well, and he was he was able to pretty much take 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 that defensive back out of the play and successfully um, successfully locked him out. All right, let's go to the final game that I got here, or at least the final game that I charted. And it's going to be uh, against the Houston Texans. I really like what he did against the Texans a lot. Uh, so let's go up to the first play. This is first and 10 on the Houston 48. Uh, I believe this is this might be a block. I don't remember, man. Give me a break. All right. Uh... Where was he on this play? Oh wait, no. Now I remember. Never remember. I'm sorry. I'm 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 really tired today, guys. <laughs> I'm extremely tired. But um, Darren Waller is able to take out number 41, Zach Cunningham, linebacker for the Houston Texans, completely out of the toss play that was that was run right behind him. So Darren Waller was the lead blocker on a, on a toss play to the right side of the field. And he just stood up, number 41, Zach Cunningham, linebacker. Completely took him out of the play. And because of that, Josh Jacobs gets in, rips off another 10, like 10, 15-yard run. Darren Waller made that play work to perfection. And I guarantee you, if you had a worse blocker in that situation, that tight end gets blown up and Josh, and Josh Jacobs has to has to run for his life down there. He, he'd be like Saquon Barkley against the Giants uh, on the Giants offensive line or Joe Mixon on the Cincinnati uh, offensive line. Really good, really good stuff from Waller is what I'm trying to say. Really, really good stuff. Uh, let's go to the next one. It is, it's his touchdown catch 
uh, on the eight. It's second and goal. And this shows Darren Waller just kind of out-athleting everybody to the sticks. So what it is, it's sort of a play-action boot with Derek Carr, try, quarterback of the Raiders, trying to get as far, just rolling out to his right. And his primary read, his the first throw he should take is 83 Darren Waller, who's pretty much running with him. So he dumps it off to Waller, and Darren Waller straight up just kind of beats everybody to the pylon for the touchdown. He he shows off his speed, showed off his length by reaching into the end zone. Even the safety that came to help block him barely made it. And even then, Darren Waller um, made it to the pylon and got the touchdown. And the two linebackers that were running to try and catch him, they got nowhere near him. They got absolutely nowhere near him. Darren Waller just—he has a lot. He, he has a lot of speed on him. All right, he's 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 really really fast, and he showed that he can pretty much just kind of out athlete you to the pot, to the sticks. Uh, let's go to one final play here. Uh, I already know I'm kind of running a little overtime on on the analysis today. Uh. I hope you guys enjoy this content. I really hope you do. I have no idea how many people actually listen to this, by the way. So I'm just completely guessing. If you have, by the way, now that we're on this, if you do have any questions for me, feel free to email this station, and my I'm sure my radio teacher will get it will get it to me. I'll I am perfectly happy to answer any of y'all's questions that you have. If you're interested, if you're interested, I'm totally not begging people to do that. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the final play here. Uh, this is, this is second and two on the Oakland 33 with five, five, or uh, six minutes left in the game. And just what, if you could, what, Darren Waller just kind of stands up his man. He, what I mean by that is, he had a really good pass blocking rep. So he kind of he held off the edge rusher the entire play. He looked like an offensive tackle out there. And just so you know, tight ends aren't supposed to do that. They aren't. Tight ends tight ends are supposed to block, but not that well. Darren Waller blocked that well. He completely neutralized the edge rusher that he was assigned to. And Derek Carr was able to throw a 16-yard bomb to wide receiver Tyrell Williams for the Oakland Raiders. Really good, really good, really good pass blocking rep from him. In conclusion, Darren Waller has played absolutely amazing halfway into the season. Not only is he a really good blocker, but he's also got really good hands. And he can run routes relatively well, especially for his size and position. And you also need to consider he can run routes because he spent a lot of time at wide receiver in college at Georgia Tech. That, that's where he's from, Georgia Tech. And his ability 
to just out-athlete everybody and just be extremely fast is a matchup problem for any defense. There are very few, there aren't a lot of linebackers in this league with linebackers getting smaller and faster. There aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of linebackers who can match up with Darren Waller's size and speed in this league. There just aren't a lot of them. I guess I suppose the Cowboys linebackers could do so and Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith. I, I think they could. And other prototypical fast elite middle inside linebackers, maybe like a Tremaine Edmonds over in Buffalo. But point is, Darren Waller is an absolute matchup problem for everybody. For everybody. And Oakland should feel amazing for being able to develop a talent like Darren Waller, who they received off off waivers from from, uh, from Baltimore. And, uh, yeah, they, they should feel great about being able to develop him and being able to re-sign him to a long-term deal because he is completely worth it. He is absolutely worth it. All right, folks. Uh, like I promised last week, uh, that's the end of the breakdown, by the way, but we still got another hour of this to do. So hold on, hold on to your hats and definitely to your steering wheels if you're driving to work right now. And uh, I will be back uh, a little bit later with studs and duds. And what that is is some star players that I noticed playing very well last week for each team, as well as some players that played pretty, pretty bad and that I don't think enough people are talking about. And I would like to point those out. Uh, I realize now, I think I will cut them for good. Uh, I'm, I'm completing this week because I promised it to y'all last week. And I said, oh, Stratton does is going to be back, man. He's going to be back. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to bring it back because it makes, it feels to me like it's too much akin to other shows on this network. Because I know a lot of people on here in my radio class just kind of go over uh, headlines and just kind of recap the games. And I feel it's a little too similar to what they're doing. And I really want my show to be unique. I want the show to be different. And I want people to become smarter football fans for, for listening to this show. And I don't know. I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, I, I'd rather I'd rather be somebody who works a little harder, should try not to read off headlines. Uh, than I know a lot of my other my other peers would like to do. So that's why I, I think I'm going to go ahead and cut it. But um, I'm going to do it today. I'll see if people like it. And uh, that's, that's about all I got to say. Thank you all so much for listening. I will be back in a few minutes with studs and duds and some possibly college football discussion as well as some more NFL discussion. See you in a bit. All right, folks, we are back. Uh, If you just jumped in, this is the film room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson, here on 88.9 The Bridge. What we do here is we analyze your favorite NFL players and breakouts and see what what type of techniques 
and what type of strategies do they utilize to succeed on Sundays. And my goal with this program is to make us all more appreciative, more intelligent, and more observant football fans. I swear that line changes every single time I say it, but I try. I try. Uh, if you're just if you're just if you're just uh, tuning in here, uh, I just finished breaking down tight end for the Oakland Raiders, Darren Waller, and why he's so good, and why the Raiders should be really happy to have paid him. Uh, now we're we are coming in to another um, another little segment, and which I've called studs and duds, and what that means is. Two player, one player for every team that I noticed played really, really well. So a stud, and maybe a player that really disappointed me, which would be a dud. We have a star of the week, dud of the week, all of it. So um, let's get into it. Uh, like I said, like I said before the break, I don't know how much more I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this segment. Uh, Honestly, I prefer, like I said, I, I pretty much gave my reasoning why I don't really want to do it uh, any further than this week. But it does it does fill in time. Again, this show is from 9 o'clock to 10.30. Thank, thank you very much to my radio teacher for giving me an extra 30 minutes. And uh, I think I really, I, I think I, I really got a lot to say on, uh, on NFL stuff. So let's get started. Let's get started. Star of the week. Derek Carr, QB of the Oakland Raiders. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be mad. Oh, why didn't you put quarterback Lamar Jackson in as the best best player of the week? I'm going to be honest with you. He's playing like he has every week. And I'll, I'll, I'll go into later on how the Ravens has sort of accepted his style of quarterback and are using it to their full effectiveness. And I do congratulate Lamar Jackson for being able to play like this. However, Derek Carr had an elite passing day against a good Detroit secondary. Again, think I want you to think about this. Detroit has a really great slot cornerback in Justin Coleman, who they made the highest paid slot corner in the league. And rightfully so. He is really, really good. And they have what may be a top two, top three cornerback still, and Darius Slay. And Darius Slay is still playing at an elite level over in Detroit. So it's not like the secondary is full of bums, all right? And Derek Carr had himself a day. He kept throwing into super tight windows every single play. He, he made all the hard throws. He showed off what made him a really great NFL prospect coming out of Fresno State back in 2014. He was, he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. Props to Derek Carr. Uh, now a dud of the week. I know this one might be a little reactionary. Uh, I didn't get the chance to watch every game this Sunday. I kind of just... I was, but I was able to watch the highlights. Though I did watch Sunday Night Football completely, and oh, Tom Brady looks his age. I'm sorry, 
it's he's the dud of the week. Oh, he played terribly. He played awful. He would he missed his checkdowns by like five yards to the point where I I thought to myself, is he throwing the ball away or not? I mean, Tom Brady doesn't have the zip on the ball. He doesn't have the throw throw power that he did even last year. And throw power is, by the way, is not how far you can throw the ball. Because Case Keenum, quarterback of the Washington Redskins, who's widely regarded to have a really weak arm, can still throw a 60-yarder. All right? He can still throw it 60 yards downfield. Throwing power is how fast you can throw the ball and how hard you can fit it into tight windows, which is why Patrick Mahomes and quarterback Josh Allen uh, of the Chiefs and the Bills, respectively, have amazing arm talent because not only can they put that zip on the ball, they can also throw it really far. Like, throwing throwing distance is kind of a bonus with arm strength. All right? But Tom Brady just doesn't seem to have it anymore, which is weird because last year his arm was actually still pretty good. He actually played pretty well last year. Um, also, he he like I said before, he's missing his checkdowns. He's missing those fifteen yard out routes that he that he's hit his entire career. Guys, I think this might be Tom Brady's final year in the NFL. I really do mean that, and we should appreciate the time we have left with Tom Brady, because as much as I hate the guy, he's still the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe the greatest player, maybe. Uh, I still think that that title goes to a Jim Brown or a Jerry Rice. But Tom Brady is has an excellent legacy. And it's really sad to see him in this state. This is like seeing Peyton Manning is his final year. It's it's not it's not great. Now again, Tom Brady's nowhere near as bad as Manning was his final year. But still, Tom Brady's like 42. He's old enough to be my dad. Okay? He he's his age is showing. And that's really unfortunate. Let's go to the Thursday night game. Uh it was 49ers 28, uh Arizona Cardinals 25. Jimmy G played really well in this game for the Niners. He showed off he could be an elite quarterback. When the defense was in a hole, he showed that he can put the team on his back and elevate them to a win. I think that's really promising for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think the Niners are in really, really great position. Uh, Another stud. uh, I'm only doing one stud stud and one dud for each team, by the way. That's just in the interest of time. If If I did... Studs and duds. Uh, with with every single player that I noticed, I could make that an entire show on its own. As in, that would be like an hour long. So there's no way. There's no way I'm doing that. But Kyler Murray, first overall pick and quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, he's still playing great. I don't understand. It's like, to me, he's already a top 15 quarterback. I think he'll be a top 10 quarterback very soon. 
He show he keeps showing off elite accuracy. He keeps showing poise in the pocket, ability to run a really hard offense for for a rookie quarterback. The spread offense that Coach uh, Cliff Kingsbury is running in Arizona, it's not easy because you're throwing like 35 plus times a game. That's not normal. 30, 35 throws a game is a really high volume game for a normal quarterback in any in like a West Coast system, for example. In Arizona, that's just another Sunday. 35 throws a game. It's not normal. My point. In Arizona, in Arizona, they found a good one in Kyler Murray. They found a really, really good one. I'm disappointed that their former first first round pick, Josh Rosen, keeps getting stuck on terrible teams. But Kyler Murray, he can carry it. He can carry it. He can carry the offense. And I think that's really great to see. Uh, especially from a young rookie. And he's like 5'10". They said, they they told him to shut up and play baseball. I'm glad he didn't. Because the NFL is better this year for it. Uh, let's go into the duds this week. Uh, just the, the Niners, the Niners just did not have a great day uh, on defense. They couldn't stop. Uh, they couldn't really stop uh, the Cardinals. Their linebackers kind of played subpar, missing Quan Alexander. Uh, the, they're one of the star free agents that the Niners brought in this year. Uh, they're really missing him right now. Quan Alexander is a great coverage linebacker, and he has great speed to to the hash marks and to the edges of the field. And that's what makes him so good is that he can roam around, be protected by his middle linebacker, and just be able to make plays. They no longer have him, and they're definitely missing it because they're missing players in space. Uh, another Here's a dud for the Cardinals. Uh, whatever the heck their offensive line is, they, they still have a bad offensive line, and they're lucky that they have a mobile guy and Kyler Murray right there to help them out. They're, they're very, they should feel very fortunate that they have him because he bails out all of their bad reps and all of their bad pass protection snaps. All right, let's go to the next game. Uh, Texans at Jaguars in London. Texans 26, Jaguars 3. This was an ugly one from the start. The Jaguars offense never really got going. Uh, I don't think I don't think Gardner Minshew is as bad as a lot of people are saying he played. I don't think he played that terribly. He had like five he had five really bad plays, which is an alarming amount and is really high even for Gardner Minshew himself. He had a fum he had a really ugly fumble when trying to uh when trying to make a play and go for the sticks and try and get the first down. And he had two really ugly overthrows that ended in interceptions. And I believe he had one or two throws that went right through the defender's hands. He just, he did not, I'm not saying he played well, but he didn't play awful. Because outside of those five plays, he looked like Gardner Minshew. He looked like the normal guy. He looked like the really talented kid that we've been seeing all year. In his movement in the pocket 
and his throws downfield, he's still quite accurate in the intermediate to short part of the field. So, uh, I'm going to list Gardner Minshew as a dud this week for um, for the Jaguars. Just unfortunate. Unfortunate for them. Uh, he, again, I'm not saying he played he played terribly, but he did not play amazing. And he did, I don't think he even played up to the standards that he has set for himself. Um, dud for the Texans, I don't uh, not applicable, I guess this is a good way to put it. They played lights out everywhere on the ball, uh, except uh, whoever the right tackle is. Is that Max Sharping? No, Max Sharping is like their guard, I think. Whoever they have at right tackle, he, did not, he didn't play well. Uh, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Whoever played at right tackle for the Texans. Uh, let's go to Deshaun Watson, though. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Just this guy, this guy is special. He is truly, truly special. And to be honest with you, if you told me, if you told me in the NFL draft in back in 2017, you have the second overall pick, and you told me you have a choice between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and I and you told me what they were going to become, and you showed me what they were going to become, I don't know who I would pick. Apparently, the Bears didn't either because they picked Mitchell Trubisky. With that second overall pick in 2017, which is pathetic. We'll talk about Trubisky here in a minute. But um, Deshaun Watson is truly, truly special. Now, he, he still has he still has pretty good arm talent, but he is elite when he can get out of the pocket, and he, and he just makes plays happen. There was a play in this game where he was in the middle of getting sacked, and then he just flipped it to Carlos Hyde, the running back, and he went for like a solid 15-yard gain. It's like, what can you do? This guy's great. Uh, one really good, another good player for another star for the Jaguars. Uh, I guess Josh Allen, the the rookie they drafted in the first round this year, is actually still playing pretty well because he he's he's been he's been good at, at edge rusher. He has been good. Uh, that that's pretty much all I got to say. Not not really much to say there. Uh, let's go to the next game. Oh, geez, we're only two games in, and we're already 14 minutes in. I got to make these quick. Uh, Bear, Bears at Eagles. Terrible game for the Bears. I think they had negative yardage in the first half, and they didn't get any... They genuinely did not get any positive yardage until, like, the last two plays of the first half. It was awful for them. Mitchell Trubisky sucks. He is terrible. He is completely awful. I've been out on him for a while now, but I swear, if if Bears fans aren't done with his garbage, I don't know what to tell them. He's done. I am done with Trubisky. He played terribly. He is awful. He is completely awful. I don't understand how people can continue to support him. All he does is check it into the intermediate or short passing game. And even then, he's not even that accurate to throw it from short to medium in the first place. The one good play he had was a shot play in the second half where he delivered the ball to Taylor Gabriel. 
That was his only good play. I think that made up almost his entire yardage on the day. He went 10 for 21, 125 yards. I think he had like one 60-yard play. No, it was like a 50-some yarder. But, I mean, that's all. That's all he got. That's it. A solid 50 50 to 60 of, of that 125 was on one play. It's it's over for him. He's done, and I'm really disappointed that they didn't that the Bears did not trade for another quarterback at the trade deadline. The trade deadline's passed. There's nothing we can do about it now, and we're still dealing with Trubisky. I'm done. I'm I'm really disappointed. Uh, no no duds for the Eagles. To be honest with you, they played they played very well. Uh, considering what they have. They played quite well. Zach Ertz still showing he's elite. He's my stud. He's my stud of the week for 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 uh, the Eagles. Uh, absolutely no positives for the Bears. They played terribly on all sides of the wall. David Montgomery had no no running room for the Bears. He, I still don't know how he managed forty yards. I really don't. He, because his offensive line was just not able to block for him at all. All right, let's let's get moving here. Um, Vikings Chiefs would probably be a good one to do. Uh, I'm just gonna rip through all the nothing games first before I get to the games that actually kind of mattered. So let let's go through these. Uh, Chiefs Vikings. Uh, Matt Moore played quite well, but I think I would give the stud of the week to uh, Andy Reid, head co- head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, at some point, his play designs are so smart they're quarterback proof. That that's 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 how good Andy Reid is at play calling. He is excellent. Uh, Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins played fine. Kirk, Kirk Cousins played all right. Uh, not enough to win against a backup quarterback, but he played okay. Uh, not really much to say there. Uh, their defense was just not able to hold up when they needed them to. That that's pretty much all I can say. Uh, Colt Steelers, uh, dud of the week. Uh, poor, poor Adam Vinatieri, man. I feel really bad for him. After making a game winner against the Broncos last week, they, the Colts could not pull it out. Uh, could not pull it out this week. They, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Adam Vinatieri's old. He's he's like really freaking old. He's like forty eight. Well, no, I don't think he's forty eight. He's like forty five. I think is his actual age. I think he is 45. But uh, he was just, like that last kick, it went so far left, he met Hillary Clinton, okay? That's how left that the the kick went. It was bad. It was awful. And I'm, I'm very surprised that the Colts have not cut him yet. I'm, very, I'm being very honest with you. As much as I love Vinatieri, it's time. It's time. When your career is old enough to buy a drink in this country, that's when you know you're pretty old. All right. Uh, Jets, Dolphins. Jets looked abs- looked absolutely abysmal. Jets are hopeless. I think they've taken the crown as the new worst team in the league. They are just completely mismanaged. It's it's getting it's getting ugly ugly there in in New York. 
it's getting extremely disappointing. Uh, Adam Gase, I think, is a one-and-done head coach. Uh, Sam Darnold is is making a lot of mistakes right now. Again, like I said before on the show, I give quarterbacks around three to four years to develop before I say I'm done. We're in Trubisky's third year. He's done. And I can tell it's not going to happen. Um, but what's it called? Uh, but Sam Darnold's only in his second year. And I think he's, I think he's still got a chance. I think he's still got time to develop. But that's about it. That's about it. Um, let's go do, let's go do Bills Redskins. Uh, Devin Singletary for the Bills played very well. Uh, he, he showed off great elusiveness and he showed off uh, a good amount of power as well. And I think he's the future back here for the Bills. Uh, I think he caught the ball well too. Got the ball, got the ball very, very well. And that, that's good. That's good. I like what I see from him. Uh, for the Redskins, uh, the quarterback that they drafted in the first round this year, Dwayne Haskins, he did. He just kind of existed in this game, which is better. At least he didn't throw a whole bunch of interceptions uh, like he did against the, uh, what was it, the Giants. He didn't. He didn't throw a bunch of interceptions, so that's that's fine. Adrian Peterson is the stud, though. He he is still playing at an elite level, and he's pretty much a walking fossil. Okay, so I'm I'm very encouraged from what I see from AP. At some point, he's gotta he's gotta die though. He's he's, he's almost done. He's almost done his career. Uh, that is most of the studs and duds this week, folks. Uh, I will. I am gonna go to break here. Uh, my throat is killing me, so uh, I will be back in a few minutes. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I will catch you guys very. Alrighty, folks, we are back. Welcome to the film room. Here, I am your host Andrew Pearson here on eighty-eight nine The Bridge. Uh, this is the show where we analyze all your favorite NFL teams. And players, how exactly they do what they do, and to make us all better, smarter, and more appreciative football fans. Oh boy! So we left off talking about studs and duds. Uh, I think I only had a couple more relevant games left to do. Uh, that's my plan for for this last little segment. And after that, we're going to talk about some college football. And I believe we will be done. So, uh. I don't think I talked about Raiders Chargers again. I'm doing this at the end of the day. I I typically record my my first two segments in the morning, and I do this last segment after school. So I I, I really forgot. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I I really forgot exactly what I particularly talked about. But uh, I'm just gonna go off what I'm pretty sure I said, uh, and I don't think I talked about Lions Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr played really, really great, and so did Josh Jacobs, as always. Josh Jacobs is probably the best first-round pick uh, Raiders had this year. Cleland Furl, uh, they're the edge rusher they took at four. He's pretty much been irrelevant. These they they really missed on that pick, and the safety that they took. Uh, 
I'm blanking on his I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but the strong safety that they took out of um, Mississippi State, uh, he's he's been out for the year for since week one, I believe. Oh, Jonathan Abram, Jonathan Abram, that's his name. Uh, he's been out since week one. So uh, that first round, that Josh Jacobs pick is looking really good right now. Uh, Lions fought hard. Uh, so did Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford played great. Uh, just wasn't enough at the end. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones also played re- really, really well. Uh, Marvin Jones has been Marvin Jones has been kind of disappointing for the majority of the year, except these past like two or so weeks. So we'll see if he can continue that. Uh, Ravens Pats. Uh, Pats defense looked just fine against the Ravens uh, offense. Uh, they're not the best. They're not the best defense ever. So let's stop. Let's stop that. Let's stop people saying that because it's not true. Uh, Patriots defense has been propped up by a bunch of horrible competition. They've basically been playing Division two schools the entire season, and now the Ravens were finally able to come come at them. Uh, they they finally dropped one. Uh, the offense looked. The offense looked like a bottom half offense, and that's not good for the Patriots because Tom Brady looked his age. Their offensive line is playing really, really bad right now, and they just don't have any weapons. Julian Edelman, uh, Patriots wide receiver, just hasn't done anything, which is really unfortunate uh, because he's been considered a really good pro bowl uh, wide re- slot wide receiver. So, uh, yeah, Pat's offense isn't rolling. I will note this, though. People are saying, oh, Patriots are garbage now and Ravens are top three team. And I'm sorry, I don't see it. Look, uh, people are also saying, oh, the Patriots' perfect season is ruined, this and that. The Patriots' goal isn't to go 16 and 0 again. They've already done that. They already did that. They already did that in 2007. What I think the Patriots are trying to do is when they catch a team in the AFC that they think will they will meet again in the postseason. For example, last year's Chiefs or this year's Ravens, they use the game in the regular season to prepare for the postseason win. Because Bill Belichick would rather have a win in the postseason than in the regular season, right? And we we saw it we saw it with the Denver Broncos a couple of years ago. I believe it was either 2015 or 16. I don't I don't particularly remember. But Bill Belichick met against a Peyton Manning led Broncos. In like a week, in like a week 15, 16 game, I don't particularly remember. But point is, he he met Manning in that game, and they lost that game. And then when it came time for the Broncos and the Pats to meet in the AFC Championship, Bill Belichick was ready. He was ready to pounce on that on Peyton Manning in those Denver Bronco and the Denver Broncos. And I think they won the Super Bowl that year. And it just goes to show you 
after that 16-0 season where they got smacked by the Giants way, way back in 2007, ever since that season, Bill Belichick has changed his philosophy to get the wins in the regular season because that's all that matters. Let, let's go back. Let's go back to that 07 season for the Pats. They were 16. They were 15 and 0 coming into week week 17, and they were playing the lowly New York Giants, who were barely scraping by for a wild card spot. And at the time, the Pats played their starters instead of letting their starters rest for the playoffs, because in their mind, hey, let's go 16 and 0. Wouldn't that be really cool? That would be a really awesome experience. And so they they did that. They did that. And they barely won. They won, I believe it was something around 38 to 38 to 35. And they barely scraped by. And what they and because they tried so hard to win that game, they put things on tape that the Giants were able to study when they came around to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Because Belichick re- revealed all of his smart play calls, all of his trick, tricky play calls, all of his subtle play calls that he used in, in certain situations against the Giants the first time, that, that the Giants were able to recognize the second time and be ready for it. And ever since then... That is the mentality that Bill Belichick has adopted when facing AFC teams that he believes he will meet again in the postseason. And the Ravens tried their heart out so so much last night or or on on Sunday night. They tried so hard. They used all their good play calls. If the Patriots and the Ravens meet again in let's say the divisional round or the AFC championship game even, if they meet again, I'm taking the Patriots all the way because Bill Belichick will be ready for Lamar Jackson the second time. Uh, One final note, uh, we're going to talk about briefly uh, about Cowboys-Giants. Cowboys won 37-18. Jalen Smith... Linebacker for the Cowboys just played absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> he was all over the field. He he showed how a true elite middle linebacker should look like. He is eons above Blake Martinez, for example. I know I I've mentioned Blake Martinez several times on the show. If you are not aware, he is a linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, and he is absolutely garbage. He is slow in coverage. He's just super slow in general. He he and he doesn't choose the right gap to fill when trying to plug up holes in the run game. He just he'll just guess wrong every time. He's moving at he's moving at uh, everybody else is moving at super speed com- compared to him. And all all he gets are are cleanup tackles. Jalen Smith, on the other hand, he is in the backfield as often as he as he can possibly be. He chooses the right gap to attack the running back, and he gets there, and he stops him cold at the line of scrimmage. Saquon Barkley 
got held to under under 50 yards rushing. There's a reason for that. There's a good reason for that. He only had 28 yards rushing on the day on 14 attempts. And the only big play Saquon Barkley made for the Giants, running back for the Giants, was a screen pass that got him into open space that he took for 60-some yards. So they limited an extremely special talent in, in Saquon Barkley to only 28 yards rushing and only allowed one big play. It's special. It's special what Jalen Smith is doing. And uh, I think the Cowboys are really fortunate to have him. And they should feel really fortunate that they locked him down for another five years. Um, Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Cowboys, he played... He played well outside of one play. He had one really ugly interception. Uh, it was the, actually the first play of the game. He threw this awful interception. It's like he didn't even see the linebacker that he was trying to throw over. I don't know if he just didn't throw over him or if he just didn't see him. But point is, he threw an ugly, ugly interception on the first play of the game. The rest of the game, though, the rest of the game, he was pretty good. He... He clearly showed that the Cowboys have put enough faith in him that he can call audibles at the line of scrimmage. That means changing the play that was previously called by the court, by the uh, coordinator to adjust what the defense is showing the quarterback. And not all not all quarterbacks have that authority. A lot of a lot of teams will hold back their rookie quarterbacks from doing that at the line of scrimmage because they don't trust their quarterback enough to read defensive defenses accurately. The Cowboys do. The Cowboys do trust Dak Prescott to do that. And he repaid them in he he repaid them in in full. Because Dak Prescott, every time he saw you know a, a blitz coming from his right side, he flipped the protection to the right side. Every time he saw you know, some sort of funky coverage on the left, he would change the play to attack that funky coverage and get a big gain. Dak Prescott played really smart for for the entire for pretty much the entire game outside of that one play. And I think that I think that just shows Dak Prescott is growing and Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. I, I really do think so. Because he he's smart enough to change plays at the line and them actually work. And he can make throws accurately downfield. It, does he have the, the, the most elite arm strength? No, he does not. Is he ever going to be an elite quarterback? Most likely not. Does he need a lot of help to win? Yes, but so do a lot of other quarterbacks. Very few quarterbacks can win without help. Like, Dak Prescott will never be Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. He won't ever be an Aaron Rodgers or a Drew Brees or even a Tom Brady. But man, he, he he's a winner. He's really good. I don't think he's a top ten quarterback, but maybe fifteen to eleven. He's definitely a top half quarterback in the league. Yeah. 
And I think the Cowboys would be crazy not to pay him. Now, would I pay him $40 million? No. Because the the highest paid quarterback in the league right now is quarterback Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. And he's getting about $32, $33 million a year. Dak Prescott is not on that level. At least not yet. Because Russell Wilson, by the way, is in the MVP conversation. Dak Prescott is not on Russell Wilson's caliber. But to let him go into free agency, I think would be insane for the Cowboys. And they recognize that too. Because it's looking like they're going to pay him, uh, I think, a little too much. But it looks like he's going to get paid. All right, that's pretty much it for studs and duds. Uh, I know I skipped a I skipped a handful of uh, a handful of games. I'm sorry. I'm I just want to get I I just want to how do I say this? Um, I want to get to the point faster, and I want to get to my other points quicker as well. And I can't I can't harp on this for so long because this segment takes a whole bunch of time. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, maybe I, I maybe I make a whole different podcast just for this. Because to be honest with you, it deserves like an entire hour on its own. But uh, I think I think that'll be it. This will be its final appearance on my show. Uh, because I, there are just other things I want to talk about. Let's get into, let's get into those other things though. Uh, Gardner Minshew, quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is going to be benched for quarterback Nick Foles. And I can't express how unbelievably sad I am to see that. I think Gardner Minshew is an excellent leader, and I think he's an, he's an extremely promising quarterback. Yeah, he had one bad game, one one pretty bad game against the Houston Texans. But Gardner Minshew is, is pretty special, especially for a six-round pick. And for the Jaguars to put Nick Foles out there, I find really disappointing. And for me, I feel the only reason that they're sticking him out there is because they're paying him all this money and they didn't expect Gardner Minshew to actually play well. But Gardner Minshew did play well. And he's, a, he's an amazing leader. He rallies the troops really well. He's well-liked in the locker room. And he's been playing like a starter. Nick Foles is a backup. This is what I don't understand about people. They look at, at the very few appearances that Nick Foles has had in the playoffs, and they say, that guy's great. It's just not a big enough volume. On the Super Bowl run in 2017, Nick Foles played the last five or so games. And he looked pedestrian in three of them. The I believe it was the Raiders game in the Week 17. He just looked okay. Uh, then the Cowboys game where he rested for the for the majority of it in tw- back in way back in 2017. So I don't I don't expect y'all to remember this, but he played against the Cowboys in that week 17. He just looked fine. Uh I believe in the divisional round, he he looked 
okay. Then he turned it on against the Vikings. He played well against the Vikings, and he played well in the Super Bowl against the Pats. He played really well in those two games. Last year, what happened again? He played fine down the stretch. He played played average. He played just okay. And like the and like that commercial says, just okay is not okay. And that's what just Nick Foles says. He's okay. He's had two really good games that happen to be in big moments. What does that tell you? Oh, he's good in big moments. But look at the regular season. Look at the regular season. He's just fine. It, I, I'm honestly not very impressed with Nick Foles and what he's shown in the past two years. Uh, the I'm the only thing I'm impressed with is the Super Bowl win and clutching it out in the in the playoffs. That's what I'm impressed with. And he led the Eagles back in a wild card run last year. That was good. But that's it. That's all he's shown. He's shown that he can scrap together a few wins and string string some in the playoffs, but that's it. And I think Gardner Minshew can really play and I think he's I think he's playing better than Nick Foles has ever played. If I'm going to be really really honest with you guys, I think Gardner Minshew is playing better than Nick Foles ever did outside of the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl in 2017. Outside of those two games, which Nick Foles played great, I will not I will acknowledge that. Other than those two games, Nick Foles has just been fine. He's just been okay. Let's get to another point. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback for the Washington Redskins, he existed. He looked okay. He was just fine uh, against the Buffalo Bills. I think I already touched on this, so I, I'll try not to make it a point. But I, I like I like what I see, especially for in a rookie's first start. If you just exist and aren't a problem, then... I think that's a fine that's a fine uh, first start to your career. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, hopefully, you can develop further further than that. Uh, the Chargers aren't dead anymore. <laughs> that that's that's a positive. Uh, Chargers Chargers played for their lives last week against the Green, seven and one Green Bay Packers, and the Packers just didn't really bother to show up. And uh, the Chargers took complete advantage of that, and they played like it mattered. Chargers are sitting four and five right now, and th- thanks to the AFC being so incredibly weak, if they get if they get nine nine wins, I think they I think they have a good chance at making the playoffs. And if they do, I don't think they'll make it very far. Because I don't think the Chargers will win a Super Bowl anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. But watch out for the Chargers because now they're playing like it matters. And now they finally woke up. Um, I'm officially out on the Chicago Bears. I'm done. I, I've, I am fed up with this team. And I am fed up with that quarterback. Oh my goodness. Mitchell Trubisky played terrible. Terrible. 
I think I went over this before in in um in the show, so I might be repeating myself like an Alzheimer's patient, but um uh, yeah, bad, 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 bad. Mitchell Trubisky completely inaccurate. I think the I believe the Bears managed around 10, 10 or so yards in the first half. The entire first half. Not just the first quarter, the entire first half. Are you kidding me? With David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, and Tariq Cohen? What are they doing? Now, now I, lo- I know a lot of people want to blame Coach Matt Nagy for the vanilla play calls with Mitchell Trubisky in there. But if you go back and watch the games where backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Chase Daniel, was playing, you see a completely different play play calling. You see completely different play calling tendencies. They are, it's like night and day. When Chase Daniel was in there, Matt Nagy was scheming up deep passes in really creative ways to get running back Tariq Cohen into the open space where he can make plays. Matt Nagy was calling great games. Really good offensive series. And notice the differences in play calling when Mitchell, when Mitchell Trubisky is, in, is under center. They're vanilla, and they're all short to intermediate throws. You want to know why? Because it's Mitchell Trubisky that Coach Matt Nagy has to adjust his play calling for. He has to make it all simpler for Trubisky because Trubisky doesn't get it. Trubisky is holding back the entire Bears organization. And with the tight NFC this year, and especially the tight NFC North, the Bears are done. The Bears are over. The year is lost. That's another year off Khalil Mack, off off Eddie Jackson, off Allen Robinson. God bless his soul. He's been stuck with terrible quarterbacks his entire career since college. Maybe even high school. I'm, I don't know. Poor guy. He's an elite talent, and he just can't get any use. It's, it's really unfortunate. Because the Bears have the talent to make it if they just had somebody different at quarterback. Honestly, I think the Bears just need to bench Trubisky for Chase Daniel. And the fact that they didn't make a play at another quarterback at the trade deadline shows that they are afraid to admit their mistake in drafting Mitchell Trubisky over both Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It's an embarrassment, and it's unfortunate. All right, let's spend. I've I have about five minutes left, so let's let's shift gears one more time. Um, where do I want to end? Ah, uh, yes, Alabama LSU is next week or is this week? Uh, I want. I actually wanted to talk about SMU Memphis and how that was a really great game last week, and it was just a really fun shootout, and there were some really good wide receiver play in that game 
that I really admired and I would love to talk about, but we are short on time. So instead, I'm going to talk about the huge, huge heavyweight matchup that's going to happen this Saturday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh my goodness, this game is going to be great. At least I'm hoping it's great. Now, I'm speaking as a biased LSU fan. I've always really liked LSU. Uh, when I became more football conscious, I or when, when I started actually liking football a couple of years ago, uh, I began to, to actually look at the college that I've always had sweatshirts of growing up, and I, re, I grew attached. And my entire dad's side of the family are all LSU fans. So I started paying attention to them, and I realized, oh, the offense is in the Stone Age for LSU. They're awful on offense. Except for Danny Etling. I love Danny Etling. Quarterback, back in 2017, he's on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad right now. But point is, LSU has had a really bad offense for years. This year is different. This year, we have Heisman candidate and even frontrunner Joe Burrow at quarterback. When's the last time LSU has had a good quarterback? Matt Flynn, maybe? Jamarcus Russell, maybe? Zach Mettenberger, I guess. But not only is Joe Burrow an actual NFL NFL prospect, he's playing at just a different level than everybody else in the country. And I really do believe in him. I think he can challenge the University of Alabama this year. And the University of Alabama, there's really not much to say. They're going to be dominant. They've been dominant for years. They've, they've whooped up on, on my Tigers, uh, I think, the past 10 years. I, I, I think it is 10 straight wins for, for Alabama. I could be wrong. I probably need to fact check that, but I believe it is 10 straight wins for Alabama against LSU. And um, it's going to be different this year. This will be a really exciting game to watch. Uh, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa for the University of Alabama. We don't know if he's going to play just yet. If he does not, because he got, I believe he had a, suffered an ankle injury two two weeks ago. And backup quarterback for the for the Crimson Tide, um, I believe his name is Mac Jones. He's just fine as a college quarterback. And if Mac Jones is starting, the LSU defense is going to eat him alive, straight up. He's not going to make it against the LSU defense. So, if Mac Jones is starting at quarterback, then I have LSU winning. If if not, if it's Tua, if it's Tua, then we'll see. Uh, I would have Alabama edge it out there. But what watch it, folks. That because it's number 1 ranked LSU against number 2 ranked Alabama, at least from the last rankings that I saw, and it is going to be an absolute heavyweight matchup. And if you don't watch it, you're missing out. 
because it's going to be great football. All right, folks, uh, that about concludes the show today. There was some stuff that I really wanted to get to, but unfortunately, I did not have the time, uh, which is rare because I got another 30 minutes this week, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love talking to you guys. This is fun for me. There aren't a lot of things in school that I find truly, truly amusing and fun, but this radio class, man, it's great. I love it. Um, yeah, so next week, uh, we'll see what we talk about. We'll definitely talk about the result of LSU, Alabama, and we'll see how the Cowboys do against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, pin that game. That game's going to be good. And, uh, it seems like that's all I've got for you guys. So thank y'all so much for listening. This is The Film Room. I am your host, Andrew Pearson. The show is always from 9 o'clock to 10.30. Tell your friends. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. Tell your coworkers. Everybody, I want more people to listen to the show so we can all become more appreciative and smarter football fans. If you like what I said, or if you got any questions for me, uh, please email us here at 889 The Bridge. I will be perfectly, I will, I will be completely elated to answer any of your questions, although they won't be answered until the following Tuesday, or until the following Tuesday, because that's when I record. So, thank you all so much for listening. I love each and every one of you dearly. Have a wonderful day, folks.